Good morning. My name's uh, Matt Johnson. I'm one of the pastors here, uh, and I'm just happy to be able to share God's Word with you today. Uh, Earlier this week, I was uh, at the courthouse, and it wasn't for something I did. Let me make that clear. But as I was sitting there waiting for the hearing uh, to take place that I was there for, uh, I was just kind of people watching. Do you guys like to people watch? Just kind of like you? Yes, yes. Uh, But just kind of observing uh, what was going on to see, you know, what could I learn about these people as I'm sitting here. And something I noticed is this this idea of, like, everyone looked pretty good. They they were dressed up. Uh, They want to look good in front of the court, in front of the judge. Uh, And I thought about that a little bit more and thinking, you know, there's probably a little bit behind that, right? There's like, well, if I look good, I can take all the things that I've had in my past and maybe I can put those in front of the judge and he can you know, show a little grace to me for what I've done. Uh, or maybe, maybe you've been pulled over before and you're like, eh, what am I going to say? I, I can get out of this some way because I have some good behavior. Uh, you know, or maybe it's just that other guy was going a lot faster than me, so you should have caught him instead. He's worse than I am. Or you follow every traffic law. Uh, one, one of the traffic laws the Hoosiers don't follow very well is passing on the right when someone's turning. It really bothers me. I don't know if it bothers anyone else, but I have a pet peeve on that one. Uh, but I've done it before too, so I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't be getting all mad at other people. But what, what, what's behind this? Like, we're convicted of the law, so we want, we want to be freed from it, right? We want to, let's, let's get out from under this so I can be free again. It's kind of this idea of karma, right? Like, I've done, something really, I've done something bad, but I've got enough good things that'll outweigh that. I'll pay it back with the good things I've done. Sadly, we bring this into the church as well, and we treat God's law the same way. Karma's not mercy, and karma is not biblical. This idea of, I follow God's rules, most of them. If I break one or two, at least I've followed enough of them to be okay. This isn't the mindset of a Christian. Our flesh wants to be freed from this law, but as we will see in our text today, true freedom is actually found in God's law. We're in James 2, 8 through 13 this morning. If you guys can turn there, page 1012 in those Bibles on your row. If you guys please stand and read God's word with me. If you don't have a Bible... Uh, feel free to, out here at the Connection Desk, we have some Bibles out there, and we'd, we'd love to have you uh, pick up God's Word to have that at home to study uh, throughout the week. <clears throat> James 2, 8 through 13. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, as we uh, 
look into your word today, that we look into your law. Uh, Lord, I pray, uh, Lord, that you will uh, soften our hearts to hear what we need to hear. Uh, Lord, to convict us on, in those places where we, uh, where we think we can fulfill your law on ourselves. Uh, Lord, where we think, oh, if I just do enough, uh, it'll, it'll work out. Lord, convict our hearts. Uh, and Lord, uh, let us just hear what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. So we need a little recap from last week. Jesse taught on favoritism. Uh, and that's one of those outward traits that we uh, see uh, to verify who we are in Christ, or if we are in Christ. Most have been outward tests, as Jesse explained. This is moving in, chapter 2 is moving into more of an inward focus on the outworkings of the gospel. Last week, we saw that favoritism is sin because one, it's against God's regard for the poor and the hopeless. Also, it robs Jesus of his glory. Today, we're going to continue with favoritism uh, and add a third reason, and I think it's the most important reason. It actually violates God's law. So here's where we're going today. We're going to look at the law of the king, the law we transgress, and the law of liberty. Verse 8. If we really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. So the royal law is a law of love. We get this idea here. Uh, James is quoting or or referring back to Leviticus 19.18 where he says, You shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here at Redeemer, as Matt uh, talked earlier about, uh, we believe that this Bible is the word we need to to know it, and it helps us interpret things when we get kind of confused. So what what do we mean by love your neighbor? Uh, uh, Jesus and Paul give us great, uh, just a great information on, on this. Over in Matthew 22, 35 through 40, this is what Jesus says. And one of them a lawyer asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. So this idea of loving our neighbor, it's a pretty high command. It's second after loving God. Paul goes on to say, in a little more detail that helps break this out even more, over in Romans 13, 8 through 10, Own no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. So, if you were confused as to this jump from favoritism to law, I hope it's a little clearer now. These are directly connected. James does jump around a little bit, but it always connects back. So, favoritism isn't loving. It's demeaning. It's discriminatory. It's, it's hateful towards these people. It's the opposite of love. In this, James has a question for us. 
He says, if you really fulfill the royal law, you are doing well. How well are we doing? Verse 9. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. We need to understand how we view God's law and how God views his law. It comes down to a subjective versus an objective view. That perception versus fact. Uh, I work full-time at the Indiana Geological Survey uh, on campus, and I'm in the middle of, I'm in two hiring committees, so we're, we're hiring some positions. And some things you look for, you look for qualifications, you look for experience, expectations that these people will actually be able to uh, fulfill what you need them to do. And sometimes when you're looking over resumes and you're trying to decide who am I going to interview, sometimes those positive attributes that you see on the resume may even outweigh that lack of experience or even the qualifications sometimes depending on what those qualifications are. Maybe that person has potential to actually, they they could qualify this, we can train them a little, they can qualify. The way I perceive them sways my decision, right? That's definitely subjective. Most of you know what I'm talking about, right? You've all done some persuasive resume crafting, right? (laughs) I've done it. (laughs) We've all done it. Our flesh is bent this way, and we want God to judge us the same way, right? But that's not how God judges. God is an objective judge, and his law is an objective law. It's clearly factual. You've either fulfilled every law perfectly, or the smallest failure means you've transgressed them all. Over here in verse 10, he says, whoever uh, fails in one point. The fails could be even talked to stumble, like just trip up a little bit. You've, you've failed it all. Not you've, you're not falling on your face. You just trembled, you just uh, tripped over and stumbled over something there on the sidewalk. You're, it's, it's, it's failed. When we show favoritism, there's factual evidence that we've broken God's law. We're not doing that well, are we, from that earlier question? Are you listening and understanding your neighbor or judging them? Maybe you To their face, you're kind of like, oh, you're great. But then you walk away, and in your heart, you're like, ah, well, they're not that great. They're kind of get on my nerves, and they they put that thing up that I don't like. Uh, Or do you look down on people, judge them, judge them on outward appearances? You know nothing about them. Uh, You don't know what their life has been like. That's favoritism. That's discriminatory. Let's look at 10 and 11. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Again, let's get some more clarification on this whole law. Uh, Jesus, uh, over in Matthew 5, just lays it right out for us. Matthew 5, 18 for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth passes away, not an iota, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until it is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. 
For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 20 is pretty heavy, right? Let's look at Paul for a second. Paul, before he, well, when he was Saul, he said, hey, I fulfilled them perfectly. I fulfilled every law that was out there. I was blameless. Jesus appeared to him, changed his heart, and then Paul says, you know what? That, that righteousness was nothing. It didn't matter how righteous I was. It's Jesus' righteousness, righteousness that matters. Verse 20 is pretty hard to hear, right? But Jesus keeps going in, in chapter 5 there. He says, anger is actually murder. If you're just anger, angry at someone, that's murder. You've committed murder. You've broken that law. If you've looked lustfully at another woman or another man, you've committed adultery. We could keep going, right, through Matthew 5. If we've been examining our hearts through this time and see we're, 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 not, failing, we're not fulfilling this law at all. Now, I would expect maybe a few objections from some of you. You're kind of thinking, well, this doesn't seem very fair to me. I've done a lot of good things. Those should matter somewhere. But as Jesse said last week, the Bible's offensive. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get all of us somewhere in our hearts. Why is that? That's because our flesh is in opposition to God's law. We don't want anything to do with it. Maybe some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, I've been pretty bad, probably more bad than good, and you just laid more evidence on that I'm even worse than I thought I was. We're all worse than we think we are. Or maybe you feel entirely hopeless this morning because you've thought all your life, you've based it on, if I'm just good enough, if I follow as well as I can, that's fulfilling the law. But there's hope and there's good news for all of us in this royal law. Yes, it does reveal sin, right? It, it shows us that we were enslaved to it. But it also declares that we need a Savior. And it points to him and the freedom that it offers. Verse 12. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. Let's go back over to Matthew 5 and read verse 17. I didn't read that one earlier for a reason. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Jesus has fulfilled the law perfectly. God knew we were going to fail. He knew we were going to fall on our faces and not follow his commands. So he sent his son Jesus, Jesus to come, for him to come and live the life that we couldn't live. He could fulfill the law perfectly, and he did. Who did he fulfill that law for? He fulfilled the law for us. He also came to die on the cross to do what? To take our transgressions of our failure to follow the law on himself. He took the wrath of God for us. And then on the third day, he rose again so that we can have hope for eternal life in the future with him and that one day he will come make all things right. Jesus' fulfillment of the law has provided freedom. Obedience equals freedom in God's law. If you're in Christ, you've obeyed completely. 
Stop trying to perform for acceptance, but obey out of thanksgiving. If you're not in Christ, gaze at this free gift that's offered to you. Whatever law or moral code that you're, being, that you're basing your life on, see that it's enslaving and it's not freeing. It's not liberating. Jesus came to free the captives. Now, you might be thinking, law and liberty, freedom from law, that doesn't make much sense. Uh, it sounds like that's holding me back, right? Back in Exodus, what came first, the law or liberty? Liberty. Jesus, or God rescued his people from, from Egypt. He brought them out. He brought them to Mount Sinai. Then he gave the law. He offered grace and mercy to them. Then he gave the law for freedom to, to, so that when we obey, we have freedom in it. Our obedience is responsive to what we have been given in Christ. James has dug into our hearts and rooted out things for his readers and for us this morning. Now he moves back towards this outworking, the outworking signs of the gospel. Verse 13. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Because of this mercy shown to us, how in the world could we still withhold mercy to other people? How could we be showing favoritism to these people that are in the same place we are? When we're truly merciful towards our neighbors, we're actually proclaiming that the king's law is good, that his royal law is good for us, and it is freeing. We're actually showing God's character as we show that mercy. Our mercy team here at Redeemer uh, strives to show and share this mercy that we've been given to the outcast, to the broken, uh, to the needy here in our town. And I encourage you, uh, if you can get involved with that, please do. A couple ways. We already talked about the care clinic. Just a time for us to, to welcome people in wherever they're at, to love on them, to provide physical needs. But we don't stop there. We don't just say, hey, come in. We're going to give you these things. See you later. Uh, have a good life. No, we, we're like, we know what the good life is, right? It's in, it's in Christ. That's all we need. We just sung that. Like, we want to walk with them. So we, have, we pair them up with an advocate, and they walk through these different stations, the haircuts, uh, meeting with the doctor, eye, uh, eye exams. But in that, we're hoping to share the gospel. We're building a relationship. We're not just going to send them off. We want to share the gospel with them. Another way is the Children's Hunger Fund, which we've just kind of started up here. Children's Hunger Fund is an organization out of uh, the Chicago area, and they provide churches with food packs so that we can take them out into the neighborhoods to the needy people with the hope of sharing the gospel with them. Meet a need, but take the most needed need to them. But, oh, one other thing. If you have something you're passionate about and you don't see that happening, come talk to Chase. They'll give you some support, and then they'll just release you. They'll give you freedom to take that and, and own it for yourself and share that mercy, whatever your heart is. I really encourage you guys to do that. But, as we see here in verse 13, our mercy's still stained, isn't it? It says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Flesh creeps in, and we do that. Even when we've seen what Christ has done for us, it, it, 
It sneaks in. Uh, here's a question. When we think of it slipping in, do you want to stand at judgment as one who has never showed mercy? That's a hard word to hear. But Jesus, or but J- Jesus, yes, he does. He says it all. Uh, but James doesn't let us dwell there that long, does he? He ends saying, mercy triumphs over judgment. All this judgment that we deserve for doing what the beginning of verse 13 says, all of our uh, failures in the law to fulfill that, all of our acts of partiality, favoritism, just not loving has been overcome by the cross of Christ. We must rest in that and see that he's all we need. So where are you today? Are you loving your neighbor without favoritism? Are you, loving, are you trying to earn your own justification, your own right standing by the things you do? Are you resting in Jesus' obedience or your own obedience? Are you showing or withholding mercy? Are your words and actions proclaiming God's character or denying God's character? On the night before the most merciful act mankind has ever seen, Jesus took bread and broke it with his disciples, saying, This is my body broken for you. Take and eat. And he also took the cup and said, This is my blood shed for you. Take and drink. Before you partake in this supper, ask God to reveal where you have held back mercy, where you haven't loved your neighbor. If it's toward a brother or sister in here today, Make that right before you come to the table. If it's in your heart, confess that to God. Let him cleanse you. If you've not placed your faith in Christ, fulfillment of the law, take this time to reflect on what he has done, what we see through the scriptures that he has done for you, and take that freedom that he offers. Uh, I don't think Dave's here. So I'll be back in the back. One of the pastors will be back in the back. Uh, and we'll also have some prayer responders back there. If you just need to need prayer for anything, if you, uh, uh, anything you need, uh, let's continue to worship. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you uh, for your word, Lord, that it convicts. Lord, that it's hard to hear that our flesh, our, na- our, our nature here on this earth, Lord, is, is broken and bent towards trying to find our way and wiggle our way around your law. Lord, I pray that through this word that you give us, Lord, we can see that it is actually freeing. Lord, we just pray for that freedom to overwhelm us. Uh, Lord, for those times where we, we lack mercy, Lord, I just pray that you, you reveal to us who you are and how merciful you've been to us. Lord, we praise you for that. We thank you so much for that free gift you give us that none of us deserved. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.